The book of my enemy has been remaindered, and I am pleased. In vast quantities it has been remaindered, like a vanload of counterfeit that has been seized. The book of my enemy has been remaindered, and I am pleased. This is how the Australian author, literary critic, broadcaster, poet, translator, and memorist Clive James begins his poem about what he considers the besetting vice of an author, envy of another author's success. In the literary world, there's nothing quite like knocking an author's best-selling book off its New York Times top ten pedestal. Remaindered books are books that don't sell well and end up in discount bookstores with stickers on the fr front cover telling us that what sold for $29.95 when first published is now going for 99 cents. The publisher loses money, of course, but on the other hand, they clear out space in the warehouse for new books, hopefully all of them bestsellers coming off the press. Were St. Benedict afflicted with either resentment or envy, he might have written something like Clive James' poem, though in Latin, about the rule of the master, St. Benedict's literary predecessor by 20 or 30 years. The master's rule was remaindered, or its medieval equivalent, because scribes were not inclined to copy it as they were inclined to reproduce more popular writings like St. Gregory the Great's Morale in Job, to take only one example. Monks and scholars were aware of the existence of the Master's Rule and its shadowy resonance with that of St. Benedict, but it wasn't until the 1930s that a French monk, Dom Augustin Guinnestou, proved conclusively that the rule of St. Benedict was, in fact, dependent on the Master's Rule and not the other way around. And while the rule of the Master lived on in a sort of literary limbo, the rule of St. Benedict went on to become the equivalent of a medieval bestseller, the basis of the revival of Western culture after the fall of the Roman Empire. And because St. Benedict insisted that monks be taught to read, he bequeathed to future generations libraries of books whose ideas would feed the spiritual imaginations of generations of monks and nuns. And this is why, in part, he's known as the patriarch of Western civilization. We, we should not forget that St. Benedict lived in troubled times not unlike our own. The Roman Empire had completely collapsed only four years before he was born. In the vacuum left where the Pax Romana had once been, there were local warlords, rampaging armies, an increase of food prices, widespread poverty and starvation, epidemics, and the collapse of authority and the rule of law. St. Benedict did not set out to restore the Roman Empire. He wrote his rule for small communities who wanted to make Christ their Lord and King, who wanted to live an ordered life of prayer, work, and reading so that virtues would thrive at a time when vices flourished. Chesterton once wrote that saints are a medicine because they are an antidote. They will be found, he said, restoring the world to sanity by exaggerating whatever the world neglects. This is the paradox of a saint, that each generation is converted by the saint who contradicts it most. This was St. Benedict in the 6th century, and that is why 
He is also a saint for the 21st century.